Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. You're all now best friends, prayed over everybody. We just had church. We're going to open up to the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's some blue ones along that wall. Uh, the book of Romans has been called the greatest book in the Bible. The greatest chapter in that book is chapter 8. And we talked about verse 1 last week, and we spent quite a bit of time. And I told you next week we're hoping to get to chapter 9. I don't know if we're going to get there, guys. Uh, really, because chapter 8 to me has been used by Christians that have been martyred in prison, that are under heavy, heavy loads. They start pulling Romans 8 out, and they start quoting it over their lives. Some of you do this, too. And so if it is the greatest chapter, I, I have a little challenge for you, church. Uh, I challenge you to memorize Romans 8. All of it. Like the whole thing. Place it in your heart and memorize it. And you're like, I can't memorize things. I've memorized rap songs that I learned in seventh grade. I can still sing them. If, you, if I can do that and I don't have a good memory, then you can surely place the word of God high and then place it in your heart by memorizing it. Start in little chunks, write it out, put it on your mirror. I dare you. I triple dog dare you. Uh, to memorize Romans 8 and learn how to wield it against the lies of the enemy, even your own flesh. N.T. Wright, who some people like and don't like, he's got some things I don't like, but he says, if the church would hoist its sails and catch the wind of Romans 8, there's no telling what might happen. If the church started to believe they weren't under condemnation, what would change? I think a lot. If the church started to believe that we do not have to listen to our old master, sin and Satan and flesh, and we have this new master that leads us into life, the spirit of the Lord, what would change in the church? And if you're thinking like everything, a lot of things, even in the little things, I think, well, then we should say, let's let them do it. Romans 8 talks about there's therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That was all last week. We went up about verse 12. We're going to start in verse, well, we're going to start in verse 12 today. Uh, but I have a question because people fight about this. Is Romans 8, is it about assurance or is it about life in the spirit? Which one? And you're like, why are you pitting these things against the, I heard somebody yell, both. And that's true. If you put those two ideas together, this idea that you can be assured that you are God's. And that's not cocky. That's not pride. That's like rooting yourself in the reality that I'm not my own anymore. I know who I belong to. Now, if I sat with you, could you say it with that much confidence? If I went with you after this to Taco Bell and I was like, do you know that you're saved? Will you say yes or will you say, ah, I don't know. And if you're here and you go, ah, I don't know, I'm not mad at you. But I want you to know. And not even I want you to know. I believe Romans 8 wants you to know. Wants you to know that you're filled with the Spirit of God wants you to know that you have assurance that the one day you will see the Lord with your eyeballs. He wants you to know that as you walk and breathe and go through this life, you're not doing it alone. You're doing it very much filled with the third person of the Trinity, God himself, the spirit of the Lord. Do you know? And so if you don't, I don't want you to leave today without really sitting down to being like, God, will you reveal to me who I am in you? Today is really about identity. Uh, and there's these verses we, we, we can talk about in Romans that most everybody, we can say them, but do we know what they mean? Because some of them are confusing. When it says, 
The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. What's that mean? What's that sound like? Is that like Finding Nemo whale sounds? Like what is this groaning that's taking place by the Spirit that's too deep for words? And we say that because it, like, it makes us feel good. But then even verse 16, the Spirit testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. What's that look like? What's that sound like? Is that a feeling? Is that just peace? Is that like the Spirit all of a sudden is like, yep, you're saved, Andrew. What is that? What is that, right? And so, so many Christians are like, I've never had this voice tell me, but I have this weighty promise that the Spirit's going to testify, is going to announce, is going to herald or testimony as the testimony of the Spirit over my life is, you belong to God. What's that look like? What's that feel like? We're going to talk about all of that. So in verse 12, I really would think that you should see that there's this need, a necessity for the Spirit of God in the life of every Christian. So we don't need less Spirit here. We need more. And I know some people get nervous when I talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about gifting, speaking, anything. like. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit puts into the life of a believer, I am really God's. I belong to him and I'm cared for. So when a, just a whole rash of Christians for the last couple of years have come into my office or in their conversation, they're like, how are you so sure? And I go, how are you not? How are you not so sure that he's cared for you, that he's with you? And once again, I'm not beating you up, but there's depth in the Romans 8, which is why we might not get to Romans 9 because everyone starts scratching their head and getting mad about predestination and election in Romans 9. And I want to stay in Romans 8 because it, we can mine the depths of this chapter. Go to verse 12. You're looking for a big number 8, little number 12. It's got really a continuation of where we were last week. He says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. That so then points back to the very first, therefore, of, of verse 1 of chapter 8. Therefore, there therefore is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So then you are not obligated to listen to your old master and the things you used to like and the places you used to go and the things you used to put into your body, the things you used to watch with your eyes. You don't have, you're not, you don't have to anymore. And some of us still do, but you're not ruled by it. This is this reality that the death of Jesus on the cross frees me, gives me forgiveness of my sin. It's the payment for my sin. It's the payment for yours. The Spirit of God filling me is what breaks its power. That I don't have to listen to that anymore. I have a different voice I will listen to. Everybody in this room, through Jesus, if you've come into Christ, you have the Spirit of God. So we're not waiting for a moment for the Spirit to get you. What we're trying to do in this room is bend a knee to him, though. We're trying to surrender. We're trying to submit. And telling a group of Christians in America to submit and surrender is hard. That's like, I don't even have an example. That's like something really hard. You just, you don't tell a group of Americans to surrender because we never give up, never give in. But this is the reality that Paul's painting for these Christians. You're no longer bound by your old master. And some of us need to take on this new reality so that we can put to death the things of the flesh again. He says in verse 13, because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
that clear enough? And we don't like to talk about this because we want to talk about grace and happy things and rainbows and heavens and cherubs and all the good stuff. And there is no condemnation. But he says, if you live by the flesh, what happens to you? And some of you are experiencing death in your bodies right now. You're experiencing spiritual death and like decay because what? You're not doing what? You're not putting to death. But if by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will, you will live. So there's some, there's two things at work there. One, he says, but if by the what? By the spirit. So not by your strength, not by your intellect, not by your willpower, not by your ability to type a, a Bible reading chart, but by the what? The spirit of God, you are going to do what? you are going to put to death what's earthly in you, what's fleshly. So you have some part to play in that as well. The Spirit says, hey, Andrew, you seem to be really, really enjoying mindless scrolling too much. So he can reveal that to me. What do I have to do to walk in step with the Spirit then? Stop scrolling. Maybe not pick up the phone the very first moment I wake up. Maybe when I'm sitting in front of the TV and you've all probably had this moment and you realize the things you're watching and the language that's coming out of their mouth and the sexy time that's happening on TV. Did he say sexy time? I did. And you're watching that and all of a sudden you, you become very aware the Spirit's like, stop watching that. Now it's gone both ways in my life. I've nudged that voice away and kept watching. Can we be honest? That's all happened before. But I've also had moments where I went, ooh, let's not watch this. And really, that's, that's this thing that's going to happen the rest of your life. Are you going to submit and surrender? Are you going to be sensitive? Are you going to be aware of the fact that you have the Spirit of God in you? And He's leading you, forming you right now to look like one person. Who is that? Jesus. To act like Him, to talk like Him, to serve like Him, to die like Him, to be like Jesus which no one told me that when I became a Christian. I was like, get out of hell? Yes, please. You know what I mean? Like, give me some blessing. I'd really like to be joyful and full of life and peace. Really want some peace on my life, but really be formed into the image of the Son of God and start loving enemies and washing feet. That is the work of the Spirit. That is what he does. He forms a people to look like the Son of God. And because Jesus put an end to, this, to our sin on the cross, we're no longer obligated to it. But it, it will be a reality. You have a body, correct? I've met seasoned Christian leaders that fall, and you know why they fell? Because they forgot that sin is always going to be crouching at the door. Uh, Paul Tripp, if you know that name, he said, uh, leaders fall, fall most often because they forget the power of indwelling sin. So even if you're 75 and you've been a Jesus lover for 40 years, it takes one moment where you go, I'm not going to listen to the Lord today. I'm going to give my flesh its way for you to fall. You just have to watch Christian news, y'all. And pastors are falling and they're supposed to be the ones that are holy and leaders. They're running away with secretaries. And they all have these stories of people stealing from the church and sleeping with people they shouldn't. Why? They forgot this. John Owen, it's a big name. He says, you must always be killing sin 
or it will be killing you. You got to stuff it out because what it wants to do is rule you and lead you to you. What's the spirit want to do? It wants to kill you and lead you to Jesus where there's life. And you're like, oh, that's, that's different. Than, yeah, that's different than the world. That's different than a self-focused Christianity. That is a God-focused Christianity. Jesus died because my flesh ruled me. And now I'm not going to let it rule now. Colossians 3 says the same thing. Put to death, therefore, whatever's earthly in you. Not give in to it. Not just get, a, you know, I, I think I'll set boundaries on my sin. No, don't kill it. Destroy it. Be vigilant. And this language can sometimes lead to the type A personality really having no fun, no joy, no drink, no anything in their life. I don't think that's what this is. But if I was, once again, to get honest with you, I think some of us, we like to flirt with sin. It's the old, how close can I get before it's bad? You ever watch uh, like the news or you see like on the internet where someone like, they get a pet that's like a predatory animal. So they like invite you into their house. They're like, here's my boa constrictor. It sleeps with me. And or they're like, here's my bear, Paul. And you're like, okay, cool. How long is that going to take? They're like, he's so nice. He's tame. And then you hear like two weeks later, what happened? They're inside a cobra. You know what I mean? Like they're inside of a boa constrictor. And they're like, I don't know how it happened. He just, you know, he just flipped the switch one day. Why? Because that's what predatory animals do. What does sin do? It kills, destroys, it ruins, it decays. It breaks everything that God wants to do in you. Just like trying to have a predatory animal in your house and thinking that your kids are safe. It's not true. And so really what Paul's wanting us to do is only by the spirit can you do this. This isn't a, by the flesh, I'm gonna kill the flesh. By the spirit, I'm gonna kill the flesh. Matt Chandler once said, fighting sin without the spirit is like open hand slapping a bear. It isn't gonna end well. I like that. So if you try to tame your own flesh with your own power, it's not going to do anything. But by the power of God, the spirit of the Lord, cutting that thing out of your life, there's power in it. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So let me tell you really quick five things that I think will help you if you're in here. And I think this is where the rubber meets the road. Some of you are like, I don't want to be ruled by sin, but I feel it. And no one talks like this as a pastor. I feel it. Everybody in this room, from the elders to the kids in the back, they are drawn maybe differently, but the flesh is always like, come here. Come here. And it's usually, it'll tip you off like one little moment where somebody says something and you've been like really calm and full of the Lord and you're in here going, praise Jesus. And then Bob at the freaking water cooler on Monday says the wrong thing and you just fly, you're, rage. Everyone's like, yeah, how did you know? <laughs> I know what the flesh feels like. We all do, right? But Christians get in here and we're like, I just love being with Jesus. And then we get home and we act like total jerks to each other. So what's the spirit want to do? He wants to kill that part in you that doesn't act like Jesus and fill it with the Spirit of God, which does act like Jesus. So how do you get there? So num number one, I think you gotta get really comfortable with confession, with humble confession, of dragging things into the light, of grabbing another Christian, even doing this with your kids. We talk about this all the time. You ever apologize to an eight-year-old? Some of you are like, no, never, try it. 
Apologize to your kids when you're a jerk. Apologize when you don't act like Jesus. Husbands, when you mouth off, when she says to take out the trash, and you're like, remember to take my trash. Apologize. Say, I, that's not the heart of God. And Jesus called me to be a servant. Own it. Humble confession has things wither in the flesh. Because what it is, it's literally, you're taking it out of the dark, you're pulling it into the light, and you're watching it die. You're not hiding it. The reality is, I mean, Adam and Eve, their very first, you know, our very first parents, they sin, and what did they do? They hide, which is a really interesting thing to try to do with God. Right? Like, it's really hard to do with a God that sees you right now as you are. And so you want to start killing the flesh? Go get with another. If you're a man, I, I would confess to another man. Not So like if you're lusting and porning and all that stuff, both genders do this apparently. Like get with another, the same gender and say that. I, not only did I do it, I wanted it. Don't make excuses for it. Kill it by confessing it. The Bible says in James, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Confession's powerful. I think, secondly, uh, there's this idea of total surrender. Some of you are like, I just want just enough God. Just enough God to have peace. Just enough God to have the life I've always dreamed of. Just enough God that my kids will be safe. Just en- That's not the language of the Bible. The language of the Bible is all of me is yours now. That I'm actually not the same thing I was pre-Jesus. I'm now a new creation and so are you. Therefore, the old has passed away and the new has come. I'm a new man. You're a new woman or a new man. The reality is, though, your flesh is still going over here like, I remember what it was like to be the old man. But now the new man in Christ, the spiritual man, is going, but I'm not going to live from there. I'm living from here. And to do that, it requires total, total surrender. Anyone in here ever try to negotiate with God? I mean, I can remember all the way back before I was even a Christian, I was like really having a bad experience on drugs. I was in the back of a trailer. I thought I was going to die. And I said, Lord, if I don't die, I'll serve you. Is that negotiating? Right? You do this, I'll give you this. I did not die. A A day later, I was doing the same old things I was doing before. This is what we do with God. But in the realm of the kingdom of God, it's those that are humble and surrender and go, God, I'll do whatever. Those are the sons and daughters. The flesh wants you to believe that you can have a little control and God can have a little control and that can be a happy little family. And I'm telling you, it's not true. I think the the third thing that you gotta know about how to fight the power of sin by the spirit is the spirit the number one things he does is he assures us that we're safe. He assures me that even when I have a bad day, anybody have a bad day this last week? You want to be honest or you want to lie? Let's do it. Anybody have a bad day? Anybody have a moment of doubt? Anybody have anything that you're like, sin just seems it won't get off of me. And actually not even won't get off me. I kind of like it. Okay, so now we're real talking. Good, good, good. But what the spirit of the Lord does and it comes and speaks over my life is, the Father accepts you because Jesus died for that. And that doesn't give me an excuse to keep doing it. It's the same thing that Paul said in chapter 7. I hate the things that I'm doing. And it's always like, I want to do good, but then evil's right there. 
Some of you are feeling that on a daily basis. And what you need to tune into is that the Spirit wants to assure you of your acceptance in the Lord. And if you've confessed your sins and you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that his death was for you and you received the Lord, you are saved. You are God's forever. Nothing's getting you out of his hand. Not even, not, I can't get myself out of God's hand. You can't get yourself out of God's hand. Which then for the people of God is like a big like, but that two, two sides of a thing. Number one, that makes me, I don't want the things that'll get me, get me to a place where I even doubt that. I want to live in a way where I'm aware of the love of God. That I'm in the obedience of the Lord. And that brings us to the fourth thing about fighting the fight of the flesh by the Spirit. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, what did he use to fight it? The word of God. So if Jesus fighting the devil and fighting his own flesh, he was probably hungry. He had fasted for about 40 days. He used his scripture. How much more should you? 10,000 times more, right? So he fights with scripture. And I would say, if you want to start fighting your flesh, memorize specific scripture. Memorize all of chapter eight. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against them. That's what King David says. And, and, and really, this is kind of like a little bit of a rebuke, but if this moment right here, you hearing me read the Bible over your life is your only time in the word this week, that's not enough. Did you hear me? And if you don't know how to spend time in the Bible, we will help you. I'll help, I'll, like, let's do it. Like that time with Jesus has to be steady. I want to know his voice. I want to hide this in my heart every day of my life. And I'm going to memorize verses that really the way that the enemy attacks me, I can become aware of them. And then I can memorize scripture and be like, because what is this called? The sword of the? Ooh. So if you go to a fight against the flesh or the devil or the world without a weapon, what's that make you? Kind of stupid. It's like going to a gunfight with a knife right? But God has provided us with a weapon that we cut down arguments and strongholds that when the, the world comes and it goes, you know, what would be really nice if you just got to watch what you wanted, sleep with who you want, but you get to go, no, 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 no. I'm a new creation. I belong to the Lord. The life I used to live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the son of God. So we're fighting now spiritual fights. And we do that with the word of the Lord. And then the last step, I think, if you want to fight sin in your life, don't just avoid sin. Pursue Jesus. I know that sounds really stupid, but some, often I think the enemy's tactic is to get us to stare at our weakness, but we won't stare at him. When a man or a woman becomes enthralled with God, the things of the earth really do grow dim. He's beautiful. And I know that language bothers some men. He's marvelous. He's glorious. He's better. And so, so often we can get in this habit where we're just like, no, 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 no. And we start cutting off everything in our life. And before long, we're just a shell. And we're like, God, this life you told me to live, I hate it. Because he's like, you're not living it with me. 
Living with God is the best life, guys. If God is better than anything on earth and you know God, what do you have? Everything. But so many Christians are content to go, well, I didn't drink alcohol today and I didn't say shucky darn. I said, shoot. You know what I mean? It's like, great, I'm proud of you, but all you're doing is managing morals, not beholding the Son of God. We can manage morals all day long. If we have a type A personality in here and we tell them the rules, they'll be good at it. And on the outside, you'll be like, they're a really good Christian. But if on the inside, they're not with Jesus, they're no better off for not cussing and not drinking and, not, and being morally upright. I can behavior modify the, like the best of you. Why? Because I'm all or nothing. You tell me I can only drink kale and must work out four times a day and that will, I'll do it. And I'll even do it if my body shuts down. That's not Christianity. Christianity is God came to you and said, hey, do you want to know me? Well, you're removed from me because of your sin, but my son, he paid for that sin. Now, do you want to come into me to know me as I created you? All you have to do is lay down your old life and I'll give you a meal. See, it's really beautiful, but we can get it confused for, I have to fight all this stuff on my own. No, you get to fight all that stuff with the spirit of God inside of you. Can we be honest though? Some of us aren't listening. And when I talk about the spirit of God leading us or talking or, or saying something to us, some of you are getting offended because you're like, he doesn't do that to me. He does that with all the people of God because Romans 8 says he does. You're like, what do you mean? Go to verse 14. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. Now I'll just give a little side note for the daughters of God in the room. When he says sons, that's a good thing and that includes you because sons in that culture get everything. You wanted to be a son in Jewish culture because to be a son meant you were a full inheritor, that you were really, I mean, you were the next in line and as sons and daughters, you get all that Jesus has for you. It's the same thing when we are called the bride of Christ, men are included in that analogy. Does that make sense? So all who are led by God's spirit are God's sons. So who wants to be led by the spirit of God? Everybody in this room should be like, teach me, I want to know. I wanna know how God will lead me. I wanna be led by God. And so led by God where? Led by God how? That's a whole like five sermons. But I think the number one identifier is God's spirit leads you to look like Jesus. It's not puffed up because Jesus was humble and lowly and didn't, I mean, wash people's feet. Do you see that in your life? You can do this at home. You walk in the door expecting her to serve you, wash your feet, or are you walking in men like Jesus? Well, there's a room for the spirit of the Lord to lead you to be like the Lord. When you talk, is it seasoned with salt? Is it beautiful language? Is it on things that are good, pure, and holy? Or is the way that you talk like salt water and fresh water mixing? That be, might be a place that the Lord wants to lead you. So often we're like, well, God doesn't speak to me in the way that he, I think he speaks to you. And once again, I think we need to make this really plain that the spirit of the Lord is in every Christian in this room. I think the analogy I started with of 
You've, ever, you've watched something you knew you shouldn't watch, and what did you feel? Shouldn't have done that. Whose conviction is that? And then what did you do with it? And that's the, that's the choice. So it is by the Spirit. There's also a human obligation to not give in, but to follow Him. And we are a church that believes the Holy Spirit will lead you. And it might be supernatural, or it might be, like I said, in a more conscience-driven, conviction kind of way, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit, leads the sons of God. You used to do whatever you wanted, whenever it came in your mind, right? I did, at least. Some of you are like, I still do. That's the problem. You still, whatever comes in your mind, whatever you think comes in your mind. You ever have that moment I did in the last week where you're like, a thought came in your mind, it came out of your mouth before you could get it to stop? This is learning to be a people that aren't, I'm not going with what I want. First off the bat, I'm going, all right, Lord, what do you want? So do you want to get good at getting led by God? Slow down long enough in your life and ask him. And don't just ask him so you can go do what you want. Ask him and then wait. Lord, you want me to do that? And the Lord leads in the Bible in so many ways. Like I said, that could be a whole sermon. But he leads through dreams, visions, prophetic words, nudgings. Paul four times in the book of Acts says, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go to fill in the blank. What's that feel like? What's that look like? So as a people, we have the tools to fight the flesh, the spirit. But as a people, we have to get more sensitive, not less. So the pastors have to do a better job of going, okay, to be led by the Spirit, I, I'm going to use a word that A.W. Tozer used. I'll give you a little view into the book study. He talks about a word called res, reception to the Lord. Receptivity. Awareness. Sensitivity to the things of God. Where we're not on autopilot. Where we're not just run by our desires. Because when we first wake up, your first desire some days probably won't be, let's go spend time with Jesus. It'll be, where's my coffee? What's on my calendar? And before you know it, the hours is gone and you have to go to work and you're in it. So we have to be receptive to the things of God. And I think it's a gradual process, y'all, okay? So if you're in this and you're like, man, I, I just feel like it should just be wham, I no longer want these desires. I, I don't think that's always true. It can be. But don't get discouraged in this life that you're living. The rest of your life, you will need to put to death what's earthly in you. The rest of your life, you're going to be learning. That was the Holy Spirit nudging me not to go there. That was the Holy Spirit telling me, don't watch that. That was the Holy Spirit leading me pray. It's a learning process, but it's worth learning. And then the last thing, uh, verse 15, 16, and 17, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back, to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In every culture of the world, they have a word very similar to that word. That's the Aramaic word for dad, daddy. I mean, you can look into English, dada. Uh, you can look into, I looked up some like Spanish, papa. Uh, you can look, papa grigio. You, you can look into Turkish, baba. Like you get all these, there's all this base language. And who comes up with this base language? Toddlers do. 
these toddlers who cry out to their dads with the most base form of language. Two syllables, Abba, Dad, help. And what the, uh, Paul's saying, we did not receive a spirit that makes us shrink back and go, maybe he doesn't like me. What if I mess up? Oh my gosh, because the law it will produce that in a people. Don't you mess up or you're out. But you didn't receive a spirit that makes you go, well, am I out if I mess up? You received a spirit that makes you not shrink back in fear, that, that makes you like a little child that goes, I don't know what else to say except a two-syllable thing, dad, or dada. And I know, like, I talk about my kids a lot, but my daughter and I, man, like, God shows me through her so often, because she'll walk in a room, dad, I love you. And I'd be like, I think I love you a little bit more. And then she like tries to one-up me. I love you a thousand. I'm like, nah, I love you two billion. And she'd be like, I love you infinity. And I'm like, you're like, don't be so corny and lame. What if, just what if, the way that God looks at you is not the way that you perceive most days? What if this is a true verse? that the spirit that you receive makes you able to come to God who you long for, if you're being honest. Every man, woman, and child in this church longs for this relationship because you were made for it. And that God has made it able for us to go, Dad. And it's not improper. He's actually like, yeah, that's who I am. And that when I walk in the room and I say, just like grace to God, God, you know I love you. You know what his response is? I love you a thousand times more than and I go, no, 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 no. But you see, like, I stopped sinning today and I did this for you. And he's like, I didn't want that. I just wanted you. There's beauty and power in the people of God reclaiming that we are sons and daughters who are not outside, but inside, and that we are not afraid of our heavenly father anymore. We are beloved. We are cared for. He loves his kids. He loves you. Loves you fiercely. I don't know if as a parent you make these same decisions in your head. Maybe it's because I'm trying to be a macho man. I've already decided that if I had to give up my life for grace to live, we're not even thinking about it. Like the cars, I'm taking the hit. I'm getting in front of the car, shoving the kid. Not even to be a hero because she's going to live and I'll die. That's earthly love, right? That's earthly fatherhood. Now multiply that times the most perfect being in all of creation, God himself. And he looks over your life and he goes, you can call me dad. Not father, dad. That's personal, that's caring, that's closeness, that's care. I care for you, son. And I believe the Lord answers this yearning in humanity. And like I said, you can see it in the smallest toddler. Dada, Abba. Answers that yearning in the human heart to be able to say to God, dad, help me. And we can cry out because of this spirit of adoption and go, Abba, Father. Now, you're like, he's making a big deal about this. This changed my life. It's entirely possible to be in the house of God and still act like a slave. It's entirely possible to be in Christianity and adopt a religious view that says, well, if I don't match up, you never did. Well, if I don't have enough self-control, you might not ever, but he still loves you. 
J.I. Packer, everybody know that name? Big theologian. He's passed away now, so he gets to be with his Jesus. He said, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his whole outlook on life, he does not understand Christianity very well. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you know whose you are? And do you know the relationship that you can have with him? Does the spirit, has the Spirit of God come into your heart and has he testified to you, you belong to me, son? And I'm not talking about an audible and I'm not even talking about a, a, a revelation. I'm just like, oh, I feel really peaceful. I'm talking about there is a spiritual reality where I knew that I belonged to myself and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God came in and you're God's now. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? Do you know that any hour of the day with whatever crap hits the fan, you get to go, Abba, Dad, Father, help. And he doesn't go, man, you made a mess. Clean it up. That's what earthly dads do. That's not the picture the Bible paints of the, our Father in heaven. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That idea of being a co-heir with Christ should be really like, what? You get everything that's coming to Jesus. You do. That should blow our minds. You mean I get all the belonging of being in the family of God as a full son or daughter? Yeah. All the riches of heaven are coming to me? Yeah. Why? Because you're in Christ. And that puts everything in perspective. So why would I chase riches on earth when I got the greatest mansion, the greatest riches, the greatest presence, the greatest God on all of everything? Puts everything in perspective. And the reason that it boggles our brain is because we don't believe it. But Romans 8, it heralds these truths. So why can Christians sit in a prison and go, I'm a co-heir with Christ? Because it's putting in perspective, I might suffer for him, but in the end, I get all the goodness of God in Christ. It makes you able to suffer. It makes you able to not serve money and the flesh. It makes you go, if I have to suffer for a little here, and that's the reality, guys, the 80, 90 years of your life is like this compared to the infinite glory and the might and majesty of God in Christ. So why give the flesh any space? In the end, the Spirit's leading me to life and eternity. How are you going to live different this week? Because I'll ask you the question that I have to ask. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth suffering for? Let's say tomorrow they decide that we can't do this. Can't gather, can't preach, can't say that's wrong and this is good. And they'll throw you in prison. You ready? What if they decide they're not going to invite you to their parties anymore or be your friend because you are Jesus follower? Is he worth it? Well, and that's like, you're like, that seems really tame. Well, if you go over to any other country in the world right now, some of them closed countries, they'll kill you and your kids in front of you. If you renounce Jesus, I won't kill grace, is what they would say to me. You ready to follow Jesus? And that doesn't make any sense unless this is true. 
And this is why he ends with this. This is not, hey, Jesus, I want to give you my life so I can have blessing here. This is Jesus, I want to give you my life because there's nothing more true or worth it anyway. The testimony of the saints is that he's worth it. The great hall of faith, Hebrews 11 is, he's worth it. So what I would like, I would really like to do, and I, I did talk longer than I, I always talk longer than I expect. I want to let the Holy Spirit do, do, does what he do. Identify places you might need to put to death. That you might need to confess to another person in this room. That you might even need to make a plan like, I'm not going to pick up my phone first thing in the morning. I'm going to go sit with God. I don't know what it is. It's a bit different for everybody in this room. Uh, I think we should worship. So. It is noon o'clock. And that means the kids will need to get picked up. But we're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to confess and we're going to let the Holy Spirit of God lead us into life. And so, Father, we thank you for your word and I thank you, God, that Romans 8 is all true. That there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That the Spirit of Christ has set us free from the Spirit of the law. And so right now, Abba, I just ask, because you're so good, will you reveal any place that we need to join you in putting to death what's fleshly or earthly? where our attitudes are out of line, where our behavior is out of line, where our desires don't match yours. And I thank you that that's not you robbing us, that's leading us to life. And so Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit here and in every Christian in this room. We surrender and submit to you. Lord, would you just put your finger on whatever it is that we need to agree with you we don't want. So maybe it is what you watch on the internet, guys. Agree with God. Maybe it is what you eat or drink or watch. Maybe it's just an attitude, like a really bad attitude. So, Abba, I ask for sensitivity for this whole body. Receptivity through the Holy Spirit. That we would be so sensitive to your leading that we wouldn't quench and we wouldn't grieve. But that if you say, hey, don't watch that, we would hear it and we would obey. That if you say, hey, I want you to get on your face and I want you to cry out for fill in the blank, that we would be so sensitive we would hear and we would obey for all those who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters of God I ask father that you would lead your people this week in all the I'm gonna call them mundane places we have to go that at the grocery store you would lead us that on the campus at Miami you would lead our students in our homes, at school, in the car, that we would be led by the Spirit. 
So church, we're going to worship the Lord in response to the word. And if you need prayer, the prayer teams are going to come back up and we don't say bye here anymore. Meaning we stay here and worship and let God do whatever God wants to do until no one's left. So if you feel the need to leave or need to get to Taco Bell, you do that. But if God has placed on your heart, I need to confess, I need to worship, I just want to sit and receive, do that as long as you like. Thanks for being here. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.